Hail and welcome to Circle Talk, a podcast for seekers, initiates, and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We are your hosts. Hi, I'm Peter, a high priest and cover leader from South Wales. Hi, I'm Josie, a high priestess near Melbourne, Australia. Hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader from just outside New Orleans, Louisiana. And I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from the New England area of the U.S. We are a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore differing opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various covens and around the globe. Listeners are reminded that while we are all initiates of the Alexandrian tradition, we only speak for ourselves and not for the tradition as a whole, which, as you know, is an impossible thing to do. This is episode 25, which is very exciting, and it is a Sabbath special for the spring equinox. You might want to take a moment to pause this and go back to listen to our introductory episodes, episode zero, introductions, and episode one, definitions, or check them out after you enjoy this one. This year, for our Sabbath specials, we're going to explore a different branch of magic for each Sabbath that we think could be partially associated with that Sabbath. We know it's not always going to be a perfect fit, but this gives us the opportunity to discuss and explore different magical practices and to think more deeply about how our magic ties into what's going on in the world around us. For this spring equinox Sabbath, we've decided to focus on meditation, visualization, focus, and intent. As we get rolling, I wanted to bring up the Witch's Pyramid to sort of start our thinking about this. The Witch's Pyramid is a pretty well-known reference in magical circles. It has four points, sometimes five, to know, to will, to dare, and to keep silent. Occasionally, there's a fifth one um, brought in by Crowley, if I'm recalling correctly, which is to go. A regular meditation practice and being skilled in visualization are key to at least two of these tenets, to know and to will, and I think probably to dare as well. And I'm sure an argument can be made for to keep silent if I thought about it long enough. So with that said, today we're going to talk about what can be meant by meditation, how visualization is used and why it's important, how to develop one's focus, and how all of these practices can improve a witch's will and intent. So high five, get on the broom, and let's go, witches. Ooh, I'm going to do that again. High five, get on the broom, and let's go, witches. So to start us... Go ahead. I think we should have kept the one that started with the bitches. Leave it in. Bitches. Let's bitches. go, bitches. Let's go, bitches. Just combine <laughs> that that B and that W phoneme into a question mark, question mark. So what is meant by meditation? People toss this word around a lot. So what is meant by it? I think when newcomers come to the craft, they have a very narrow idea of what meditation is and looks like. And I think of like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where characters will meditate and like levitate as well. Almost that cartoonish kind of, there's a specific posture you have to have. It has to be very, very serious, very, very quiet, very, very zen. There might be chanting and mumbling, but I think it's a lot more than that. There, there are lots of different ways to do it. As someone who comes from a zen background, having sat a couple of times uh, a week, is Zazen at a temple in California. No, it's not that even there. So, Bugs yeah, Bunny lied that, to us. He he lied so much. For me, when we talk about meditation, or when somebody brings up meditation, that is the go-to picture, isn't it? Sat on the floor in the lotus position, with you know your fingers touching. But these days, I really just like to call it concentration. 
because for me that's a big part of what meditation is you are concentrating on maybe one specific thing and acknowledging everything else but letting that thing go so I think for me calling it concentration is easier for especially seekers to kind of follow that train of thought as well so I'm gonna throw that out there and just start calling it concentration it's been a good few episodes since I fangirled about Jason Miller's books um so I'm gonna do that real quick um I really like his sort of take on it is that it's just learning to sit down and shut up in this world where it's not possible to be bored because we carry around these tiny computers that can look up literally anything at the press of a button it's learning to sit down and be quiet so the, the best way I can describe it is it's awareness of the now it's it's partially mindfulness but it's a, a singular focus it's including the body that's where postures come in so that your body meditates as well um the breath so that but it it, it all comes together into one whole so that there is as you say just shutting up and sitting again because it's in background there's an old soto zen saying just sit and that's that's literally it that's that's the whole advice is just sit don't do anything else when your mind wanders off nope nope, nope, just just sit yeah i think there are a lot of different things that fall under the umbrella of meditation right because we can also include walking meditations in this there's a uu church nearby and i really like in general doing the um the fuck do you call them labyrinth Yes, thank you. Like walking, they have one inside and one outside. Um, so yes, going around and around in a circle, walking the labyrinth, right? That can be very meditative. So we have a lot of different ideas, but I think we're getting at the same point. You're removing your mind from one area of concern, removing your mind from mundane concerns or removing your focus from X and repurposing your thoughts towards Y, focusing in a different direction, whether that's focusing on your surroundings and like your immediate being like mindfulness or visualizing yourself somewhere else, concentrating on what's happening in ritual and so on. All these different types of meditation, I think ultimately are about that sort of like what Peter mentioned, redirecting your thoughts, redirecting your concentration to a different um, place. Right. So why do we encourage meditation as a practice? I think we're sort of getting there already, but what are some of the other reasons, benefits of meditation in a magical practice or in a coven setting? It'll teach you individually more about how your own mind works than any other practice. All the other things about meditation improve concentration, anxiety, stress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are all byproducts. If you really want to see the mechanics of your own mind, a meditative practice would do it. In a coven setting, it can help with the way you all approach things as a group and to make things more uniform or get everyone on the same page with how you're going to approach things. It can add to um, spoilers for our upcoming episode, things like egregore as well. That's definitely where the visualization aspect can come into play. When you have shared visualizations amongst the whole coven, it does empower the action of whatever energetic or magical work the coven is doing because everybody has that shared vision. I like the awareness thing. I think it's kind of training, right? To stay focused the entire ritual, as you mentioned, is, you know, 
we can't be bored. We don't know how to not have constant and often multiple kinds of stimulus anymore. So focusing on a long ritual can be really difficult for people. So training our mind to sort of be able to maintain that focus can be helpful. Yeah. I will say that also, I think once your mind is trained, it does enable you to take on more, I don't know if advanced is the right word, but different kinds of magics like spirit communication, right? If you're if you're thinking about Claire audience, um, being able to hear from other places or planes, having being able to focus your mind, concentrate, um, let go of everything else enables you to be more open to messages, communication. This is sometimes how people communicate with their gods, right? Through that sort of mechanism, um, astral travel as well. What it isn't, and I feel the need to say this, and I think I've probably said it multiple times because I'm so annoyed about it, is this, this common thing. I just, I see it pop up every week or so online about meditation, inviting negative spirits into your life or meditation, bringing in evil. And I just can't figure out how you would do that because if you're using meditation or focus for spirit communication, it is intentional. You are, you are not accidentally opening yourself up to spirits. You are intentionally um, setting up a practice around that. So it shouldn't surprise you, but mostly meditation is about just training the mind, right? So you can use it to enable spirit communication, but I would say it's not a natural consequence that anybody needs to be afraid of if they start up a meditation practice. Yeah, I, I agree with you in all of that. I will add that it's it's not so much that I personally think that meditation makes it easier for the spirits to find you or any of that other stuff that uh, said boards have been posting or that you've been seeing in groups, but it allows you to easier like, reduce your own mental chatter so that when said communication does take place because you're going through the practice to set that up, it comes through. And you can better distinguish between the origination of where said subtle communication comes from. Does it come from my own mind or did it originate elsewhere? And you can distinguish that because you have developed this deep, deep sense of your own mental functioning. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Yeah, high five. Yeah, and mutual high five to that point, too, because I think that's a huge question that people often ask, right? How do I know if these thoughts are coming from me? How do I know if it's like my gods or a spirit communicating with me? How do I know if this isn't a mental illness, which I think can be a really valid question early in your practice, if that's a concern or you have a family history or something like that. And meditation is a big piece of that, learning to identify your own thoughts and getting a sense for external thoughts. I would also add that, you know, provided that the thoughts that are coming aren't about harming yourself or others, it sometimes doesn't matter, right? If if a god or a spirit or you are the one giving yourself the advice that you really need to take to move forward in something, whether that's your higher self, your child self, your gods, it's something that you need to hear, right? So provided that it's not about harm, you know, I think that we can safely say that where it's coming from isn't as important as maybe deciding if that was probably pretty solid advice that you should take anyway, but that's a slight digression. So how do we meditate? When we say meditation is that it's an umbrella, what are the different practices or methods that fall under the umbrella of meditation? 
I think building repetition into practice aids in meditative states and those concentrated states. So if you're setting up temple the same way every single time, it's going to allow you to get into that state of mind. And I think which links back to our previous podcast as well, it allows you to get that, that frame of mind in order for something to happen. If you're constantly changing and chopping how you're opening temple or how you're doing something, that's that's going to just add to your monkey mind and your mind is going to be flittering back and forth from to and fro and everywhere. So I think building in repetition of the same thing, you light the altar candles the same way, you say the same words. And some people might think, well, that's boring. And that is, that's valid. That might be boring for you. But at the same time, the well-trodden path is the well-trodden path for the reason, because it works. And once you find that, that workable for you, then I think run with that and see what happens. I do um, sort of want to highlight this word that I think is kind of a buzzword, which is pathworking. And I often hear people, I think, using uh, like meditation and pathworking interchangeably. And I don't think that they should be used interchangeably. I think pathworking is a type of meditation. I think guided meditations are sometimes pathworkings and sometimes they aren't to me. If you're doing a pathworking, you're going somewhere, even if that somewhere is internal, right? Whereas a guided meditation might be something like, you know, visualize white light, you know, flowing down from your head to your feet. I wouldn't consider that a pathworking necessarily. I would consider that guided because somebody's directing you through a mental exercise. But these pathworkings also, which are not necessarily does not equal astral travel, but help you sort of take some kind of a journey, right? So that can be a meditative practice too, because we're talking about this idea of focusing our minds in a direction, developing visualizations towards that direction. Um, I'll also say that I'm using the word visualize, which is of course implies like you're seeing something in your mind's eye, but some people don't see that very well. Some people do path workings or guided meditations and instead of visualize, they feel a cool feeling come down their body, or they are hearing night sounds around them as they're traveling through the forest, or they're smelling incense as they enter a temple. So um, visualization is probably not the best word for this, but it's the one that we go to because it's what most of us sort of think about. But it's not the only way to do this if you have trouble with that skill. Pathworking as a term comes to us from the Kabbalah as well and it was originally used for the work people did um like the internal work people did moving between points on the tree of life moving up and down the tree of life i'm not going to explain it in any more detail than that go read jack chanick's book he explains it much better in terms of if you can't visualize one of the things that you can do and there's plenty of reasons that people can't visualize it's a very specific skill and it's not taught it's something that you a lot of people can do naturally or via osmosis or not at all. People with things like language disorders um, or speech disorders sometimes have trouble visualising in the traditional sense, um, but you might have those other sensations. One thing you can do is have uh, like a list of prompts to help you along. So like, what am I seeing? How big is it? What colour is it? And you can start from there just visualising 
a square, a flat square, and then making it a cube, um, and then moving on to something that you know, like your toothbrush is a good one because you see it every day. A matchbox was the common one in the 70s, but less common these days. Yeah, I'll take a minute to hype Evo Dominguez's keys to perception here because he does have a goodly number of visualization exercises in the beginning parts of that book to help people really develop this skill. That's a cracking book. You got me onto that. Oh, good. I'm so glad. It was worth waiting a month and a half for it to come from Amazon to Australia. (laughs) I'm I'm super glad that it was worth (laughs) worth the shipping charges. Super worth it. Dinah Paxson writes a couple of really good books um, relating to this too. Her transportation book is really good, especially. So in, in my in my meditative practice, um, there's not a lot of that other stuff. There's no there's no path working. Yeah, the coven will do some path working, but those are similar to what you know Josie meant as a transition in uh, mental focus, things like that whether you're going on a journey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because it's the form of meditation I, I do is so central upon existing in the now in a singular focus so that there is the breakdown of separation between you and the rest of the world all at one time, so on and so forth, that there's no visualization. If you're visualizing, you're doing too many things. If you're going on a journey, you're doing too many things. It's literally just you sitting as the whole of existence and breathing the rhythm of existence in good posture. That's it. Um, However, all these other things are valid forms of meditation, and uh, I don't want to discount any of them, but pathworkings are different than this. I wouldn't even call it internal focus. Because you're not focusing internally, you're focusing, yes, internally and externally all simultaneously as guided by whatever your singular focus is, so on and so forth. So it's just slight differences. That particular type of practice, it doesn't matter if you can visualize or not. However, in our coven practice, we do work on visualization because there are times when we do all these other things. So that's me. I always say to new initiates and seekers who have real difficulty with visualization i always say well can you close your eyes and can you take a journey around your house can you see where everything is in your bedroom do you know where everything is in your bathroom and most of the time when they sit there and spend a bit of time they're like yeah actually yeah i i do and i think that is a that's a good foundation for visualization skills if you can see in your mind's eye those things then you just need to build upon that. There's, I was thinking about it as you guys were talking. There's a website called, I'm just going to find it now, Wiccan Life Podcast. It's been, I, I'm I'm sure that I've probably posted it in a few groups in the past as well. It's definitely in initiative spaces. Um, it's a Wiccan Life Podcast where there are guided visualizations or, you know, pathworking-esque kind of, of, of um, podcasts going on. But if any of our listeners want to check that out, there there are loads at the moment. Um, the author Lucette is going through, I think, like the tarot and using pathworkings and guided visualizations with the tarot. So I'll put it in the show notes as well, but just to kind of nod to that. Plus one to the Lucette podcast. She's excellent. She's got a beautiful voice. I um 
one of my other favorite uh, beginner practices is the lemon visualization, which I don't know if people are familiar with it or not familiar with it. Um, I'll post a video, like a YouTube link in the show notes so people can practice it. It's very classic. It's like, there's also an Apple version of this, but it's just like a five minute, usually less visualization where you're holding a lemon, you're picturing, okay, what does the outside feel like? What does it look like? What's the texture? Is it smooth? Is it rough? Is it dry? Can you feel the sticker? Like as you're running your fingers along it, then you cut into it. What are you smelling? And and it just sort of goes through the whole process. And I don't, I'm sure there are, there's 7 billion people. So probably, but most people start getting the sort of like in the course of visualization, making the sour face salivating because their body is generating the response to the stimulus of the lemon, even though the lemon does not actually exist. And so it's, it's a really nice beginner visualization because it also is focused on all these other sensory inputs. So again, if visualizing is a problem, it can help people recognize that they can still, I'm going to keep using the word visualize, but for their other senses. Right. And so that is, um, I'll definitely post a link and people can give that a shot if they're having trouble with visualization. So I, I do a very, very, very similar thing with the intent upon getting people to um, either exercise those parts of their sensory perception that's not necessarily their strong suit or to identify what their strong suit is. Um, and what I do is I have them peel an orange. Nice. So, you know, you get the physical sensations, you get the smells and the you know, so on and so forth, and eventually you take a bite, and so you engage all the different senses. But yeah, peel an orange. I do want to take a moment to sort of refocus on why these shared visualizations or the ability to focus our minds in this way is important to witchcraft and to covencraft. And that's because if you're going to do effective magic, you need to be able to visualize your magic working or sense your magic working. You need to be able to focus your will in the direction of your magical working. If you're going to be working in coven craft and you're going to do things like cast a circle or call the elements, you need to be able to focus your will and your intent on making that circle happen. You're going to have to be able to sense in some way the energy for a circle casting. You're going to have to use your will to call elemental forces into your circle in some way, whatever whatever way you do that. So having a trained mind that is able to do that is important. Have I crossed a line, Josie? Is that why that face? I was trying to do that in a way that wasn't crossing a line. No, I thought that was good. I was agreeing with you. <laughs> that was your agreeing with. I think when you're getting into BTW and witchcraft and these these kind of practices, I don't think a lot of seekers understand that there's a lot of focusing that goes on. There's a lot of meditation that goes on there's a lot of visualization that goes on and a lot of the time when you're first taking those first few steps in the in those first few months of your first few circles I'm going to try and get that in more often um all of that focus is you're, you're focusing really hard on saying the right words lighting the candles pro- properly in air quotes because some people might not have a technique of lighting candles of visualizing the circle going up and then after a while you you can almost kind of let that explicit focus go and you can you can just kind of go with the flow but you need to start off that 
that ground foundation work in order for you to get to that level where you're comfortable and you can just kind of go with the flow. I know we've said in the past about melding with the circle energies. I think for the new initiates first first few circles, they're going to be concentrating explicitly on what's going on. There's going to be so much visual and auditory and physical stimuli that they might even feel overwhelmed. But doing that thing over and over again in the same pattern allows you to also let go, which is that form of meditation and concentration and visualization and all of the other shun words. So yeah, it's it's important to like when G just brought it back, it's important for us as witches to be able to do these practices effectively so that we are confident we know that that magic is going to happen and if it doesn't there's reasons right but you've always got to start off at zero good point way to way to kick that in at the end so um if no one else has anything to add on this point why did we choose meditation to focus on for this particular equinox season i think with all of the sabbats and seasonal festivals there is and every single ritual there's an element of meditation there's an element of concentration and focusing but when you are meditating you are there trying to get yourself into a state of mind into a certain setting which we'll talk about more in our next podcast listeners and it is that kind of doorway that liminal space it is that place where you can be everything and be nothing at the same time where you can focus on what's going on internally and externally. And at, at the equinoxes, at the spring and the autumnal equinoxes, it is a turning point. You know, we've we've dispelled that, well, you can, you can balance an egg, right? I, I know, I think James did this at one of our last equinoxes. And I think you can do it with concentration at any time of the year. It's not just at an equinox, but there is that balance. There is that, tipping point you know we we have the spring equinox and the autumn equinox coming up what are we balancing right now what is gonna what, what are we gonna tip more into our favor kind of thing so i think concentrating and meditating and visualizing works really well during these liminal times during these like tipping point times so it was lammas down here and we're coming up on the autumn equinox we often see this as that balancing time and especially a lot of neo-pagan ceremonies really focus on the, on the balance. Um, a lot of the equinox rituals I've attended that have been open circles have, have focused on the balance. One thing that the pharaohs talk about is about the equinox being a time of repose and of reflection and I think that fits in really neatly with our topic today. If you see Lammas, that first harvest, as being the action then this is the consequence of that action and it's like okay there's been this big sacrifice so so what what are you going to do about it and is there anything else that needs to die before your year dies at Samhain so it's a real taking stock as well as balance there's sort of that just stock taking where you're at and working out if there's any other changes that need to happen inside or out so are the only permanence, I guess, is impermanence. And the equinoxes really embody that transitionary 
nowness of that reality. Well, meditation does that too. Whether we're talking the constant movement of the breath, the refocusing of the mind, or we're doing work practice where you're focusing on sweeping the floor or lighting a candle or we're allowing the experiences of our own mental hallucinations via visualization to take us on a journey and connect us with the subtle or, or whatever, but there, it really brings that to the surface. And I think there's a good relationship between the equinoxes and that idea. Awesome. So is there anything else that we want to mention in terms of magical practices? Of course, I will refer people to our spring equinox or our autumn equinox episodes from the last go around the wheel for more in-depth, but any other practices that we sort of want to take a moment to mention here um, for the for the equinoctal season? Magical practices specifically, I guess things like um, like your old cord cutting sort of rituals and things like that, harvesting, cutting, endings. We're about to come up to our big ending at Stowen. So anything focused around that would make sense in the Southern Hemisphere. I always like to do a bit of a spring clean Get everything off the altar. Give it a give it a good wipe down. You know that's more mundane, really. I know that Josie, you have really really strong feelings about incense dust and keeping the dust where it should be. But I'm like, no. <laughs> if there's too much dust, it needs to be cleaned off. You just stick the doily in the washing machine, mate. No worries. Yeah, yeah. That's that's unless they're really like delicate doilies, and then you got to hand wash those bad boys. You got to hand wash them, caress them. Make sure it's nice soap. Make sure it's Golden Dawn soap. <laughs> Brunch. <laughs> I would add, um, we were talking a little bit about egg magic with my coven yesterday. And the egg cleansings are very popular right now. But you can also, um, I mentioned you could do some sigil magic with an egg as well. With a wax crayon, you could write a sigil on the egg and then dye it so that the wax sort of pops out you could save that then if you poke a hole in the bottom of your egg and blow out the contents of the egg you can save that shell for a long time or you can um, put it downstream or bury it if you want like your intention to grow so it's you know in both ways I think you could use it for cleansing and purification by putting negative energy into the egg or you can also because it's a form of beginnings use that to sort of grow your intention grow your your magic in some way and use it like that also they make if you if you're gonna um blow out and just keep the shells they make really pretty decorations and there's a really great um ukrainian customs around this a number of other cultures as well so that brings us to the end of this episode today we've talked about meditation and visualization different methods for meditation using meditation and visualization to further your practice, and a couple other spring and autumn equinox magics. To close us off, I do just want to remind our listeners that meditation is a practice, and you don't have to be good at it right off the bat. I'm, in fact, a person who struggles with meditation and struggles with focus, like most of us. I've got an anxiety disorder, so sometimes getting my mind to shut the fuck up and focus on whatever I need to focus on can be a struggle. But the more you practice this, the better you will become at it, the more automatic it will it will become. Um, and visualization doesn't always have to, quote unquote, look the same 
for everyone. Focus on your strengths and work to develop your techniques so that you can become a better witch, more focused, and focus your will. As a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as Circle Talk for Witches. That's four as in the number. Twitter as Circle for Witches, or email us at circletalkforwitches at gmail.com. If you have any questions, queries, thoughts, or ideas for future discussions, please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you. From all of us at Circle Talk, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and Merry Meet again. Blessed Equinox.